You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. Uh, We've got some champions among us, uh, FYI. Uh, A lot, actually. Um, Greenback football just won a state title. Uh, Yeah. Alcoa just won a state title. And Maryville won a state title. That's pretty stinking impressive, right? Uh, So all the moms and all the dads and all the uh, athletes and coaches that are part of our church, congrats. That's pretty impressive. Uh, UT football hasn't given us much to celebrate. But our local high schools certainly have, and so I wanted to celebrate that today. Hey, we're in a series entitled, We Can't Stay Here. And uh, the reality is for us that as a church, uh, the mentality for us is that we're not going to become complacent upon the blessings that God has given to us and the growth that we've experienced. And so personally, you can't become content with your growth. You can't stay content with your maturity. You, you need to pursue growth. You, there, there's more that God wants you to experience. And, and as a church, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, we're taking a big step of faith as we build this auditorium next door. And, and uh, the whole goal for us is to create space for people who aren't here. Uh, to create space for people who need Jesus. And, and that's been our goal. That's been our mentality. And so uh, we can't stay here. We, we got to continue to grow because there are people in our city that need Jesus. And so I'm, I've been encouraging you to, to get on board with this vision, get on board with this concept. And uh, we've been talking about December 17th. That's our Christmas offering. I'm going to be asking everybody to give a one-time uh, generous gift on that day that's going to go towards this vision. And then I'm also going to be asking you to make a commitment to give over and above uh, your regular giving for one year. So it's both a one-time gift and an ongoing gift for the next year. And, and so I hope you're praying about that. You've got two more weeks to think about that and get ready for that. And uh, tonight's just going to be a special night. Uh, as we go next door and go into the room for the first time in the atrium, and uh, it's going to be about 50 degrees, so you might want to bundle up a little bit, uh, but uh, it's going to be a time of prayer. It's going to be a time of writing scripture on the walls. It's going to be a time for us just to you know, be together as a church and, and worship and, and get excited about what God is doing, and so I hope that you'll be there, and I hope that you'll come. It's tonight at 6.30. Please register for that so that we can have enough child care and, and uh, all of that good stuff uh, ready for you guys. Well, we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 6 and 7 today, so if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. Um, I know you, many of you guys are sports fans, and uh, we, we see this from time to time in sports. You've got a team who you know, plays uh, a team that's better than them on paper. So they're the underdogs. You're, you're, you're getting ready to, you know, play the number one team or a team that's bigger, better. And, and uh, you go into that game, you're all pumped up, you're jacked up as the underdog. And, and uh, from time to time, the underdog wins, right? And so we, we love it when the underdog wins and that team is so hyped, they're so pumped, they get on this emotional high. And uh, typically what we see is that, that emotional high that, that led to victory against, you know, this great team uh, fades and, and, and feeds their ego and, and uh, they, they kind of lose focus. And then they play next week a, a team that they should beat, a team that's not as good as them, and because of this emotional high, they have a letdown and they lose. You know, you've seen this from time to time. You know, emotional high, we won the big game. And then the very next day or the very next week, we play a team we should beat. And in fact, we get beat. 
This happens in sports all the time. This happens in life all the time. If you're, you know, in business and, and your team, you know, wins the sales division or whatever, you, you have a win or, or you're a teacher and all of the, the students in your class do well on the test, there's a win. And, and uh, whatever it is at work, like maybe you got the promotion, you have a win. Oftentimes that very next week, that, that very next month, uh, because of that win, uh, feeding your ego, because that win, you know, you boost up your pride, uh, you get a little bit lackadaisical, you get a little lazy, and you end up falling on your face. You make a big mistake at work. It happens spiritually from time to time. You'll, you know, maybe uh, God speaks to you in a sermon or God speaks to you in a song, and you just kind of have that moment where you renew your commitment to God or you just you know, for whatever reasons, man, you just really had an encounter with God. It's a spiritual high. You shared your testimony for the first time, and, and uh, man, it was just exciting. And, and uh, you know, just a day or two later, because of that emotional high, if you're not careful, if you're not focused and diligent, man, you'll fall flat on your, your face, and you'll fall for a stupid sin, and uh, you'll go from a spiritual high, and the next day, you'll experience a spiritual low. And so what do we do when that happens? What do we do when we, we have a big victory and then we're faced with a, a, a low right next door to that? Well, for the people of God in Joshua 6 and 7, they go through this high and low. They, they, they are attacking the city of Jericho. Remember last week, they go across the Jordan River and now they are surrounding the city and they're getting ready to fight and we're, they're gonna see the walls come tumbling down. Anybody want to sing the song for us? Joshua's fought the battle of Jeremy. No. So the walls come down and, and they experience this really big high. And the very next week, they fight another city that they should have kicked their tail and they get beat up. And they get, you know, they, they, they have this really, really low moment in their life. And the two come together. So how do we live a victorious life through those ups and through those downs. And, and uh, I think we'll see some great lessons from the life of Joshua today. So let's look at Joshua 6, beginning in chapter uh, 6, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are camped outside of the city. Uh, the city walls of Jericho historically are known to be very thick walls, very high walls. The gates are shut. Nobody's going out, nobody's going in. So they are kind of hunkered down for battle inside uh, the city walls. Verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before you. Now, let's just pause there for a minute. So in chapter 5, at the very end of chapter 5, it talks about how the commander of the Lord's army comes to Joshua and speaks to him. We know this to be Jesus, and, and he is the commander of the army. Joshua worships him. And then here in chapter 6, here he is, he's actually giving him the plan. Here's the strategy. And he says very clearly that God is going to give him the city of Jericho. 
Now, this is important. Again, I mean, Joshua's always getting encouraged. And remember that Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. And he's always getting these pep talks. And, and here again, here is this like confidence booster right before he goes into battle. And it just reminds me that our courage isn't found in our condition. Our courage is found in our creator. And so the conditions of Israel right now are pretty bleak. They, they aren't proven warriors at this point. They aren't, uh, Joshua isn't a proven military you know, genius at this point. He, he will be by the end of this campaign, but right now he's not. The condition of their life is, is they're not very wealthy. They don't have a lot of resources here. And the, the thing to consider here is like, our confidence isn't found in our condition Our confidence is found in our creator. God has sent the people of Israel to conquer this land, to give them this land. You know, some of you are waiting for the perfect conditions in your life to take your next step of faith. You're waiting for the perfect conditions when you, you know, when you get everything at work figured out, when you get all of your personal, you know, habits figured out and and you get rid of some of these things and and you know you start doing these things, then, then when all that stuff and all these conditions work out, then you're gonna serve God or then you're gonna take that step of faith. Some of you are waiting for your marriage to, to get fixed before you do anything. It's like, good luck with that one, man. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's gonna get better by God's grace, but you're never gonna be like a perfect couple. And, and so we have to realize that as Joshua is being sent by God, you and I are being sent by God. He is your creator. He's gifted you with a purpose. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a mission. And so how are you responding to that? Are you, are you diving into that? Are you, are you living that lifestyle yet? Or are you just still kind of waiting for the right conditions till everything works out, till everything's fixed, and then I'm gonna go? Well, you're gonna be waiting forever if, you, if you're waiting for the perfect conditions. I, I believe God's calling you to go very clearly. The gospels tell us that there are disciples to be made in our city. That's why we have this vision of of making disciples, creating space, because people need Jesus. And and as a church, we're we're concerned about that. We're committed to that endeavor, and and we're willing to do whatever God calls us to do in order to reach those people for Christ. And and the first few verses here of chapter 6, I'll admit the strategy that God gives to the people of God is a little weird. I mean, think about it. You're to have seven priests out here in front of you because priests are real intimidating, you know, historically. And then you're going to walk around the city with trumpets because trumpets are pretty intimidating, okay? No offense, ban people. But, but, but you're just going to walk or you're not going to say anything. You're just going to blow your trumpet and you're going to walk around one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times. And after the seventh time, you're going to blow the horns again. You're going to shout and the walls are going to come down. I mean, if it was you and, and, and Joshua was telling you, this is the plan, guys, would you have been very excited? <laughs> I mean, really. It's like, come on, man. How about we like ram the door down and like hardcore just go after him? How about that plan? How about we wait him out and just kind of surround the city and starve him to death? You know, and how, about we do, how about we do something that makes sense? It's, it's kind of what we think. But the reality here, and if you're taking notes, it's, it's pretty simple. Like you can't shortcut the process. You can't shortcut God's process for your growth. 
I can't shortcut the process as a leader in my life. You can't shortcut the process that God puts in your life. And the people of God can't shortcut this process either. He was very clear. This is how it must be done. Now, what if they would have just gotten too frustrated on day six? What if they're walking around, walking around? I mean, I, 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 I would, I'll be honest with you. I would probably start to grumble and complain a little bit. This is ridiculous. I don't know why. I'm ready to go. I got a spear. I'm going to throw it. You know, let's go. No, walk around. Shh, don't say anything. Blow your trumpets, guys. We're really going to get this thing going. The party's about to start, right? I'm, I'm really getting frustrated at this point. And what if on day six, you know, they're like, forget it. Done. Not going to do it anymore. And they, they just walked away. What if, what if that would have been their mentality? Let, let, let's just go back across the Jordan. This whole thing is ridiculous. God is, is, is just having a moment here. We don't understand what he's doing. Well, the reality is if they, if they shortcut the process, if, if they're not obedient, if they don't walk in faith and, and follow God's plan, then they would miss the blessing of God. They would have missed the promised land. And listen, you're gonna miss God's blessing in your life as well if, if you're gonna try to shortcut the process. Look, this, the Bible's clear. It's, it's not always easy to do, but it is clear. You've gotta admit, even if you're not a, like a, a, if you haven't made a commitment to follow Christ and you're not really a church person and you're just kinda here today because you know, your wife wanted you to come, you gotta admit, the Bible's pretty clear on how we should live our life. It's not easy to do, but, but the process on, on how to live a godly life is, is laid out. For instance, the process is, is to forgive your enemies, to forgive those who hurt you. All right, this is a tough one, not easy to do. But the process is pretty clear, it's pretty laid out. You can't shortcut that process. Some of you know what it's like to, to live a life of unforgiveness. Somebody hurt you and, and, and you haven't been willing to forgive them. And as a result of that unforgiveness, man, you've, you've just kind of had this burden in your life. You're, you're not experiencing peace. You're not experiencing, you know, really uh, life to the fullest or, or even just happiness. Your joy has been stolen. But some of you have experienced that lack of joy and that lack of unforgiveness. And then you've, you've faithfully walked through that process and you've forgiven that person that hurt you. And as a result, joy was restored to your heart. Blessing and, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, again, was given to your life. And so you know the process led to healing. The process, even though it's difficult, led to joy. You see, you can't shortcut the process of your life. You can't shortcut what God is, is calling you to do in your life. And the people of God here, they can't shortcut it either. They can't quit too soon. And if you hop down now to verses 18 through 20-something, I'm going to read the next section. So, so, they, so God, again, he says, this is what you're going to do. He kind of repeats the plan. And then he says in, in verse 17, uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago the, the message about Rahab. He says, hey, we're going to destroy everything except for Rahab and her family. And then in verse 18, this is what happens. He says, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destructions. These are the idols. These, these are the things made of, of gold and silver. And God is saying, keep yourself away from these things. Don't, don't take these things. He says, lest, in other words, if you do, uh, when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and you bring trouble upon it. 
So if you take any of the devoted things, any of this gold and silver of all these other images and all these other things that, that Jericho had in it, if you take them for yourself, you're going to bring trouble upon yourself and the nation. Verse 19, but all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So very clear here. Where, where's all this stuff go? All the plunder goes to the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted. This is the seventh day. They walk seven times around. They shout. The trumpets are blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. Praise God. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. God is faithful. You believe that? Like God is faithful. If you believe that, I mean, this is an encouraging like day for you. Because like God is a faithful God, I, I hope that you believe that. I know that you've experienced that. No, may, maybe you haven't recognized that or not, uh, maybe in your life, but, but he has always been there for you and he will always show and prove himself faithful in your life, in my life. And, and you've gotta be faithful to this process that he outlines for your life for you to experience God's blessing. The warning here is very clear. God's faithful the walls fall, they experience the victory. The warning is given, don't take any of these images, don't take any gold, any bronze, any silver for yourself. It's all to go to the treasury of the Lord. But there's a guy by the name of Achan, and Achan disobeys God. And so if you flip over to chapter seven and verse one, here's what it says. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against who? The people of Israel. The anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So Achan takes some of these, take some silver, take some gold. Scripture tells us in the next couple of verses that he takes it to his tent and he buries it under his tent to keep it for himself. Now what's interesting about this before we dive too far into, into his life and what he's struggling with is, is that it says that the, the, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of the Lord. Now I would expect to read that and to, and to see and the anger of the Lord burned against Achan, because he was the guy. He's the one that messed up. He should get it. Why is it that the entire group of people now must face God's wrath or his judgment? Well, the reality is the people of God are a community. And, and, and we as a church, we're, we're a community of believers. Foothills Church, we're, we're a community of believers. We're called to care for one another we're called to love one another. We're called to encourage one another. We're, we're called to help one another through sin and hold each other accountable through that. And, and the reality is when one person sins, it affects our entire church. When one family sins, it affects the entire church. The scriptures teach us in Romans 12, 5 that in Christ, we who are many <clears throat> form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You see, we're a team. 
We belong to each other. We need each other. And as a team, when all of us are doing our part, when you are serving in the capacity that that God is calling you to serve, and when you are giving sacrificial in the capacity that God has blessed you financially, then the entire church, our entire community is blessed. When you are not faithful to serve in the capacity that God is calling you to serve, and you are not faithful to give in the capacity that God has given and blessed you financially, the entire church suffers. We're a team, and we serve, and we live, and we make disciples together, and we we need everyone doing their part so that we can reach our full potential and experience the blessing of God. And, And if some of us are in sin, then the entire community of believers here at FC is gonna be impacted. We're a team. I like the story of the farmer who used to hitch up his old mule uh, to a two-horse plow every day, and he would say, get up, Bogart, get up, Satchel, get up, Betty Lou. And his neighbor asked the farmer one day, man, how many names does your mule have? And the farmer replied, well, actually, he's only got one. His name's Pete, and I put blinders on him, and I call out all those other names so that he'll think all these other mules are working with him. (laughs) Because when he thinks he's working on a team, his attitude is better. And uh, that's the reality. When, when we are working on a team, our attitude is better because we realize we're not alone. You're, you're not alone here at FC. You may feel alone, but there are ways for you to overcome that loneliness by connecting here in a small group, by connecting in ministry here. God's calling you to get out of your shell He's calling you to get out of your loneliness and, and, and he's calling you to, to engage in the process here. You, you can't shortcut it. If you're lonely today, you can't shortcut the process of engaging in relationships here at Foothills Church. You, you just can't get around that. And so I'm encouraging you today to, to step into this process and, and to see the walls that, that, that God has in your life right now that like, literally begin to, to crumble in your life. All of these obstacles that, that he wants to turn into opportunities for you. The second thing I really want you to grasp today is that conquering the enemy out there doesn't mean you've conquered the enemy in here. Because here's Achan, he, he is, he, he's struggling with something inside his heart, something deep within his heart that some of us in the room deal with as well. It's the sin of greed. Yeah, they've conquered the enemy out there. They, they just took the city. They had a big win, but the very next day, the battle within is lost, and the whole community suffers. You see, Achan is dealing with the sin of greed that caused him to keep the money, to keep the metal when God told everyone to give it. He took it home, and he buried it. You know, the reality is, We see this over and over in the Bible, that God calls us to put him first and put the kingdom of God first in our finances. What he calls us to give, what he calls us to to, offer to him should be a pleasing sacrifice to him based on proportion, based on how he's blessed us. So every single one of us is given a different amount. It's not about the amount, it's about the sacrifice. And Jesus actually teaches us this in Matthew 6, 19. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You've heard this before. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've heard it a million times if you've been in church, right? You, you know this. And the reality is it's, it's really easy to zero in on who your God is today. It's really easy to zero in on what you're worshiping. You just simply have to see where all of your money is going. And if your money is going towards your house and your car payments and your vacations and your kids and all of your material things, then it's safe to say that you have, have, have put the kingdom of self ahead of the kingdom of God and, and you, in fact, are, are showing and proving that by, by where your money is going. And now, now I get it, that may sting a little bit, but, but we don't want to avoid the reality. We don't want to avoid the reality of where our heart is today. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And, and Jesus teaches us here in that verse and, and elsewhere in the Gospels that it may leave our hand, but it's never going to leave our life. So when you invest in the kingdom of God, it will be you know, this, this eternal investment and you'll continually experience that investment and that blessing, not only in this life, but in eternity to come. Anything we give towards the kingdom of God is an investment in eternity. And God says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guide you and I'm gonna be faithful in your life as, as you put him first. And I think we gotta realize this, that God is serious when it comes to money. It, it's a serious issue in our life. Materialism, especially in our culture, is a serious issue. And so this is a good example of, 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 of a guy, uh, this Aiken character, this, this guy who, he, he's, he's not living for the kingdom of God. His faith is in the kingdom of self. He's living for himself. He's living for his needs. He might have thought, well, nobody's going to know. I could just take a little bit, you know. My family needs this money. I got kids going to college. Well, my, how am I going to pay for this? I've got needs. I've got bills. I've got all this stuff. God, I know you told me to, to give it, but, but I'm going to keep it for myself. And he disobeys God. He lives for the kingdom of self. Now, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self are always at war. As long as sin is in the world, and it will be until Jesus returns, we're going to have this inner struggle, this inner battle based on our sin and, 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 and our motives are impacted and our actions will always be in conflict. And, and, and this battle will continue to wage war internally for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of self. We may look like we're winning the external battle, but I want to encourage you to fight this inner battle of greed and materialism that may be living in your heart. Sometimes we decide to keep it instead of give it, and it shows that we, in fact, love money. It shows, in fact, that we are, are living a, a life motivated by self. Anytime you're living for the kingdom of self, you, you're living with a self-preservation mentality. How am I going to take care of me? How am I going to fulfill my needs? I could use this for my family. I could bless my life. God calls me to give it. And there, in fact, the battle wages. And I think wealth and money, like nothing else, have a way of corrupting our hearts, has a way of, 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 of encouraging even more sin in our life, our greed for more money, our greed for more comfort. It's a driving force in our in our culture, it's infecting the church as well. First Timothy 6.10 says it clearly, for the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. You know, money is not good or bad. I think a lot of people, you know, misinterpret this verse. It's not that money is bad. If you're wealthy today, praise God for that. Um, it, it's not that that is bad. Having material things is not bad, but it's, it's what we do with money. And, and so, you know, some people think, you know, I don't have a lot of money, so I must not love it. And that, that's not true, right? It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case because there's a lot of people who don't have money, a lot of poor people who, who want more. And they think about wanting more and they covet more and, and uh, they, they, they can't wait to get more. And so they play the lottery hoping to get lucky. And, and so, so that desire, that love for money is there. And so it doesn't really matter how much you have. It's, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's, it's what are you doing with it? Some people say, well, if I had more money, then I'd be more generous. And uh, unfortunately, statistics just don't prove that. In fact, the more money you make, this isn't true for everybody, but statistically, the more money you make, the less of a percentage you give away. That's why our country had to invent tax breaks for donations. We would never give, you know, some people would never give if there wasn't a tax break. Why? Because we live for a kingdom of self. For Achan, the love of money led him to steal, led him to lie, and it even impacted his family because they continued the lie as well. You know, I just want to be clear here. The vision of Foothills Church is not about money. It never has been about money. It never will be about money. It's all about people. It's all about the gospel. And, and uh, we recognize that the capacity of our ministry is going to be influenced by the, 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 the generosity of the people of God here. And as you give, as you are faithful in putting God first, as you are strategic about planning what you're going to give and being consistent in that gift, and, and you, you've determined the percentage that you're going to give, you will be blessed. The whole community of believers are impacted in a positive way, and the capacity of our ministry grows. And so you've got two more weeks to think and pray about this. I hope you'll be faithful in the gift that God leads you to give. Now, in the following verses in chapter 7, we see the impact of this sin. We see the impact of, 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 of Achan's sin and how it, how it, how it really uh, hurts the entire group. I'm not going to read it, but I'll just briefly explain it. Joshua is ready to take the next city. It's the city of Ai. He has no idea about Achan's sin. He sends spies to the city, and they come back, and they say, bro, easy. This is cake. You don't even have to send everybody. Just send a couple of thousand people. Bada boom, bada bing. We'll be back by dinner. We'll be sitting around the fire laughing about it. Well, what happens? He sends a couple of thousand people up to Ai. The people of Ai stand up, because God's blessing is not upon them, the people of Ai kill 36 men in uh, the, the, the armies of Israel. And Israel tucks tail. They turn around and they run and retreat. So they come back to Joshua moaning, griping, crying. You know, God's hand isn't upon us anymore. And, and Joshua goes to God in prayer. So this is a good thing, but it's kind of a whiny prayer. You know, have you ever had a whiny prayer? Anybody who just, I've had a whiny prayer. I'll just be honest with you. I've been very whiny to God over the years, but, but I love this prayer. Look at verse seven. Joshua says, alas, oh Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? You know, in other words, why did you let us cross the Jordan? Why are we even here just to get killed? Come on, Lord. <laughs> Would that we... Uh, had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. We'd have been content just to live in the desert. 
and be miserable and eat manna for the rest of our life. We, well, that would have been much better than coming over here, right, and, and getting killed. Oh, Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? They turned their backs, meaning they ran, they ran away in retreat. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us, and they will cut off whose name? Our name. Isn't that interesting? He's concerned about our name. And then what will you do for your great name? So he kind of comes in and squeezes God back in. But it's kind of interesting. God, why? Why are you doing this? You know, it's a little whiny. It's a little confused. I get it. You know, I've been there. You've probably been there as well. But the reality is Joshua is trying to move forward. He, he's trying to get what's next. And he forgot to lead in what's now. And I want us to get this principle. Like, you can't get to what's next if you're not faithful with now. If you're not faithful in the little that God is calling you to do right now, today, then what's next is not going to come to fruition. Everybody wants the big win. Everybody wants to go to the next thing. Everybody wants to tackle the next thing. Everybody wants God's blessing out here. But if you're not faithful with what God has given you to do today, you're never gonna get to next. You've gotta be faithful with now. And this is where Joshua uh, has, 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 hasn't led great at this point. He's not aware, but the tides are gonna turn and, and he's getting ready to handle his business, right? I mean, he's getting ready to lead and he's getting ready to deal with this. And I believe God brought some of you here today to hear this response from God. Listen to this, all you who've messed up, everybody in here who doesn't understand exactly why you're facing some of the things you're facing today, some of the heartbreak, some of the difficulties, listen to God's response. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more. Unless, unless you destroy the devoted things from among you, get up and consecrate or dedicate the people. You know, I think the people of God see the walls of Jericho fall. They get their first victory. The next thing you know, they're losing a battle that they should have won. But that doesn't mean that God is finished. It means that they have to deal with the sin. It means that they have to face their mistakes and they have to overcome by dedicating themselves to the kingdom of God. Some of you have messed up. Some of you have run into some issues this year. Some of you have sin in your life and you feel like it's over. You feel like you're never gonna be able to move forward. You feel like the weight of shame is just sitting on your shoulders. And I think God brought you here today so that you could hear the same thing that the Lord said to Joshua hundreds of years ago. And that is this, get up off your face. 
God's not finished with you yet. There's some young people in the room and man, you have been punched in the mouth this year. For whatever reasons, it's been school, it's been relationships and you feel like, man, nothing in your life is going the right way. Can you be reminded today that God is not finished with you yet? In fact, he's just getting started. There's some moms in the room that you've just been beat up physically this year by life and and you feel like somebody's just kind of punched you in the mouth and your kids are getting bigger and they're getting mouthier and man, you don't know if you're gonna be able to, you know, make it this week. It's becoming so stressful. And can I remind you today that God is just getting started. Folks, every single one of us walk in here today, there's some businessmen in the room and maybe you've lied at work or or perhaps you've lost respect, you've lost some money. But can we be reminded today that God is just getting finished, getting started. Some of you come from other churches and you come in here and it's like, man, you've been burnt out. You've been beat up. You've been hurt. And so you walk in here today and thinking, man, I don't know if anything else is going to change, but can we be reminded today, God is just getting started. He's just getting started in your life. He's just getting started with our church. And yeah, we're going to have some victories. And yeah, we're going to have some defeats. But those defeats do not define us. In fact, it's just more preparation and, 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 and more of God preparing us for the future battles that we're gonna have to face and that we're gonna have to fight. God's gonna use all those past mistakes to help you pursue his plan right here, right now, as you move forward. So we cannot give up. You cannot ignore sin in your life. You've gotta deal with that sin. You've gotta face that sin. You've gotta repent of that sin. And you've gotta move forward through the grace and love of God. You know, as a church, we've lost some, we've messed up, but God's just getting started with us. I think what we learn here in the very end of this chapter tells the tale of how serious sin is. Because the seriousness of sin led to 36 men getting killed in this battle. And so at the very end of the chapter, because sin is a serious matter, The judgment upon Achan is that he is stoned. Can you imagine the 36 wives, the 36 uh, families that have to deal with now that their father is dead and it's all because Achan sinned, his family sinned. They lied about it. The judgment of God, the punishment of God falls upon Achan and he's stoned to death. His entire family is stoned to death. You see, the reality is We're never going to be good enough to live up to the standard of holiness that God requires of our life. We're never going to live up to that. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life. And he does, and he did live up to that standard, making him the only payment, the only way that you and I could have our sins forgiven and our relationship with God restored. And so maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never turned your life over to him. You've never dedicated your life to Jesus. And can we just be reminded today that sin is a serious matter. It's not a laughing matter. Spitting in the face of God, 
living for self and the kingdom of self is no laughing matter. It cost Jesus his life. And if you receive him today by faith, not only will he forgive you, but he'll restore you and he'll give you the hope of heaven. 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that today? You believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that you've got to be faithful with now before God's going to give you next? You believe that God is faithful? I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, we, if we believe this, then it doesn't matter what we're facing today. If God is faithful, then he's going to provide. He's going to, he's going to do the very same things that we see in the scripture. He's going to do the very same things that we've seen in our previous life. He's going to do it again. He's going to provide again. He's going to bless again. He's going to make a way when there doesn't seem like there's any way. This is the God that we serve. And if we believe that today, then like Joshua, we can deal with the sin that's in our life and we can get up off our face and we can serve God in a fresh and new way because he's faithful. Would you bow your heads with me today as we close and... I want to sing a song in closing. We've sung it before. We know it. I hope you believe it. The song talks about how we faced sometimes the same struggle over and over and over again. And it seems like we should be over it by now. But it seems like we keep running into that that sin or that issue. And the reality is, though, that we want to embrace the fact that when Jesus forgives, he is forgiving. And you have to forgive yourself. And you have to realize that you can't stay here. You can't stay in that moment. You've got to get up off your face because God is just getting started with you. And he's going to use those past mistakes for your future. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God wants to do more in you and through you. And so our closing today is a song of praise. It's a response song to worship God and to recognize him that, that he in fact will do it again. We believe it. And we're going to get up off our face and we're going to serve him boldly from this day forward. Father, bless this time and this moment as we worship you. Fill our hearts. Encourage us. Lord, help us to have the faith of Joshua and not live by faith in self. Help us to live by faith in God alone. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to us today as we, as we sing. You move our hearts today as we follow and as we trust you as a church, and as we follow and trust you individually as leaders, we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.